Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone that has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the meaning of freedom and success to a side hustler. So, how are you doing, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, good, good. thanks. Yeah, no, you're now back in the breach after uh, missing an episode. I know, yeah, we had a bit, <laughs> a bit of a disaster. Went on holiday, I don't know. I think, did you mention it to our listeners, what, what happened? Or? Uh, no, I didn't, because I, oh. I hadn't actually... Actually, I, I did record it saying what, what happened. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah. then, but as I was editing it, I thought, I might actually ask you if I should say this. Or, oh, so no, I was like, it out. I, I don't mind. No, I mean, we, were, we were driving back from... We'd been Dorset for the week with the kids, and we are driving back up the motorway, and we are in sort of queuing traffic and there's a, a car behind us and they didn't stop they just ran into the back of us on the motorway and uh, it caused a lot of damage to the car um so we managed to the police came along and sort of closed the motorway and we managed to limp to the services um and we got into the services and we had to ring the insurance company we got like a taxi home but the, the car was like a write-off oh, so it's God. been the insurance for it. so we had to get a new car which has been a complete pain so was it um, bumper damage which damaged the chassis uh, yeah, yeah. Pretty much just, well, what happened was we um, the car hit us from the back. It pushed us into this. It was like a pickup truck in front of us with like a tow bar. And the tow bar went sort of straight through the radiator and so it crunched all the front end and the back end. Oh blimey! And so it was all. I think yeah. I think it was. It's pretty much. It doesn't take much to write off a car, does it? You know, once you damage no, the. No, I mean, they're, they're the designed to crumple at the front. Yeah, no. yeah. So and, and the back as well. So it's quite a bit shorter at the front and the back. Um, so that's kind of the end of that car. We had to get a new car, but it's all sorted now. But it's just just a pain, though, isn't it? No, no one was yeah. hurt, though, were they? No, no. So they had a bit of a stiff neck, then then a bit of bruising on the seatbelt. But other than that, the kids were fine. So cool. that's the main thing. Yeah, nobody was hurt. But just just. I mean, e- e- even if you hadn't have had a car accident, we wouldn't be able to record anyway because I completely screwed, oh, yeah. I completely <laughs> yeah, screwed yeah, up on the dates. You're on holiday, weren't you? As well, to look after the kids. Did you say? Oh. Yeah. Well, in between your holiday finishing and my one starting, I thought we had a week. Oh, to, to, record, to, to get episodes yeah, ready yeah. but I, what I've completely forgotten was that I had promised to take the week off to look after the kids so we hadn't booked the kids into kids club so I was off oh, the whole okay, week yeah, yeah. which meant we uh, couldn't record so that was that was my boo boo but yeah no, we're back now though <laughs> yeah ba- back with a vengeance mm. so how's things going business wise yeah yeah good thing so I mean it seems like we're really sort of doing a lot of stuff at the moment we've launched um, a beta rafter calculator which is good which is a new extra tool so we've just launched that to our email list um, we've had quite a bit of feedback, so we've got to go through that and just implement a few suggestions that our customers have come up with. We're also working on a, a beta Perlin calculator, which is another calculation tool, and we're also working on a, a timber post calculator. So, lots of stuff to sort of be be going at really. Um, so that's that's nice. It's nice to actually be on a roll with like you know new stuff. So that's nice. So- do you offer these as like individual products or do you get them as a suite? Or uh, as a suite, a really. It's kind of odd, actually, because when we launched the Raft, to get a lot of customers saying, oh, how much extra is that going to be? And we weren't going to charge any extra. It's just going to be part of, right. of, of, a, of another tool, you know. And it has made me think perhaps if we do launch, you know, extra tools in the, in the future, whether they're paid extras or whether they're included as part of the product. Um, but at the moment, probably most of the stuff we're going to do is going to be included in our existing packages. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, good, it's good to get um, stuff out there. It feels like we're making progress Know, which is good. I mean, what have you been up to then, Steve? You've been on yeah, your holidays? So, yeah, I was on holiday, went to Portugal with the family, and that was brilliant. Oh, uh, good, good, yeah. Fa- yeah. Very good time. Uh, feels like an eternity since it was over. Does it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was good. Uh, making really good progress on my new course. I mean, really, really good progress. Oh, good, because, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I came back renewed and Yeah, and yeah I think you do. I mean, I went on holiday, and I think when I was just eager to get back, you know. Um, I think it's good, isn't it, to have a 
a step away, isn't it, and come back refreshed and, and feel ready to start working. Yeah, the, the new book I'm doing is uh, motoring along as well, so I'm aiming to get the first five chapters over to my editor that I okay. hired in wow. September. Yeah. Uh, which, which I'm looking forward to and I'm also dreading because I'm basically paying her <laughs> to kick my ass. Oh, God. Yeah, that's, that's good though, isn't it? That's good. So the way I'm going to work it is the book's split into nine parts and there's multiple sections per sections, sorry, multiple chapters per section. Okay. So as when she's done her work on it and I've incorporated any fixes and all of that, I'm then going to start recruiting beta readers. Okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to happily so, uh, sign up. Yeah, I'll get it? you in there as well. So yeah. Basically, it's people that will read it part by part, give me feedback if there's anything I've missed or if there's anything that they think's wrong. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. do all that. But then the idea is with beta readers is that when you've launched a book, you ask the readers to buy it for 99p as an ebook. Okay. Because okay. initially, you, you release it on Amazon, you don't tell anyone, you, you drop the price as low as you can, and you try and get some people to buy it and then get those people to review it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's also to do with the search engine optimization on Amazon because it's basically one of the world's largest search engines. Yeah. And you think yeah, about sure, it. So, yeah, so you have books, to you yeah. have to optimize for it. So part of the beta reader process is that you get them to put early reviews, hopefully good reviews. <laughs> yeah, you'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> onto the site, which then helps improve your rankings on the search listings for certain keywords. Okay, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of science towards it, but I've been experimenting with it for a few years now. Yeah. So yeah. So, so it sounds like you're doing lots of stuff as well. So it sounds like everybody's. I think everybody's been productive, aren't they, this summer? Yeah, it's been a good summer so far. I'm uh, quite happy. Okay, so we've got some uh, questions here. So first one is from Clive. How important is it to have your own office? So I guess he means an office away from home. Yeah, it's a, tr- it's a tricky one because I don't have my I specifically have my own office. I tend to either work in co-working spaces or work from home or, or cafes. Um, so for me personally, it, it isn't that important I mean, it'd be nice to have an office i think if you depends what your aspirations are i think if you want to have staff as well i think it's important Obviously, you probably want to have a space don't you ideally yeah. um you probably could do co-working spaces to a certain extent um it just depends really doesn't it i, I don't know depends what i, guess I know that you have an office steve so what's your yeah i mean or? the only reason i got an office well actually i use a co-working space in Quantford first which is where we met uh, but the reason i did that is because i found that after nine months i was getting bored of working from home yeah, yeah. It's good to have that discipline, isn't it? I think. No, if, some... if you're the sort of person that can work from home and it just doesn't bother you at all, then there's no real need to get an office. Yeah. Whereas my wife, I mean, she's worked from home for the last 15 years and it you know, doesn't phase her at all. Whereas me, I was, I was kind of climbing the walls a bit. Yeah, I think sometimes when you do work from home, um, is that you kind of, it's, it's hard sometimes to work from home, you've got distractions, you're not always in the right mental zone, are you, mm. when you work? So sometimes it's good. I, mean, I did have an office for five years, actually, um, and I, it was good. I got a lot of work done when I was when I had an office. Um, but I found, because I was on my own, I kind of found it a little bit isolating. That's the that's the one downside, I think. If you're yeah. on your own, it depends. I mean, if you have other people to talk to, or it depends what, what you're like. If you're quite introverted, you might not mind that. But I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily jump straight to an office. I mean, I was perfectly happy co-working. Um, you know, the, Various options, you can just pay for a desk and just grab what desk's available on the day, or you can get a fixed desk, which is kind of your desk. And I, yeah, I, I went yeah. that I mean, it might be worth having a look at different options. If there's like a co-working space in your area, you know, go and check it out and see if that's yeah. something I mean, that you could use. Literally, the only reason I have this office now is because it came about by chance. If this office hadn't been available, I'd probably still be in the co-working space now. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it, I think it depends, doesn't it? Um, but I think it's, it's good to have separation between home and work, I think, mm. sometimes. That, that's what I find most valuable. So when I come into the office here, you know, I will leave at half four or five whenever I finish, and that's kind of that's work done for the day. You can kind of bookend the day. And yeah, I think that's the problem when you do work at home. You don't have that separation, do you, between sort of work and yeah 
and, and home, you know. Home but life. cost is an important consideration as well. I mean, having an office isn't cheap. It's, it yeah, it's, money, an, it's, so. it's a significant cost. So, yeah, it's something that you've got to factor in. To, to, I mean, that's one reason why I gave up my office because what we did is I just bought a bigger house and had a home office with a home office in it, um, and we just I just ditched the office and I kind of because I've been in it five years I kind of got I'm the sort of people I tend to get bored so I like to work different places yeah I get. Um, so it, it just depends doesn't it I think it probably isn't well, at least when you're initially starting out if it's just a side hustle I don't think it's that important I think it's something you work towards isn't it and mm. possibly you could pro- probably look at co-working spaces before you get your own dedicated office. Yeah. Also, as you said before, I mean, if you're doing the sort of business where you are going to have a few members of staff, then obviously you are going to need yeah, an office yeah. at that point. It's, it's not really realistic to expect people to come to work at your house. No, no, no. Or, I mean, you could do co-working, perhaps, if it's what if it's two or three people. Um, but I think at some point you'd, you'd want your own space, I think. Well, Phil, that we interviewed on the show before, from Theatre Diggs Booker, I mean, they, they, they started out in the co-working yeah, space. Yeah, I think there was two of them, wasn't there, originally? And now they've got this, there's quite a few, isn't there, now? They're starting to sort of... I don't know, is it 10 or so? I don't, I don't know how many there is, but yeah, they must be. They're yeah. expanding all the time. Yeah, so yeah. So perhaps it might be worth thinking about different options. Oh, you seem to have a pretty, pretty noisy dog. <laughs> Energetic dog outside. Um, okay, so the second question is from someone called Silver. Um, how important is it to hire an accountant? They seem quite expensive when you are on tight margins. Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it, really? I mean, perhaps when you're just starting out, um, it depends. I think if you're doing like a limited company and it's quite complex, you know, in terms of your accounts, probably need to hire an yeah. accountant. Do, do you hire one? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. always, I've always, always had an accountant. But um, I don't know. Perhaps if you were starting, say, if it's a side hustle when you're starting out, you might be able to just do your own taxes. And 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 if you if you're operating as what we call like a sole trader, you might just get away with it. Um, yeah, actually, I'd agree with that. If I, if I wasn't, if I was a sole trader, I can't remember what the US equivalent of that is. But that's basically where you're not a legal entity. You're just you're any not, money that comes in goes to you. In a corporation or a company. If I was doing that, I'd just do the accounts myself because I had to do a self-assessment anyway. Yeah, yeah, you might be able to, or you might just be able to get some some help, you know. But, but um, it's a trick one. I think I think if you're doing, I think if you're doing anything seriously, I think you need an accountant because quite often yeah, I, mean, I, I, I hire an accountant, roles, and, won't they? That you need to know. You know, I, I pay an accountant fee every year, and he does my taxes and does all the submissions to HMRC and all that. And but I consider his services to be free, even yeah. though even though I might pay him, you know, five six hundred pounds a year. He saves me a hell of a lot more than what I actually pay him. Yeah, because they they know the rules, they know they know what you need to do. I mean, sometimes it's I, I've always had a bookkeeper as well, which a lot of which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I've had a bookkeeper from the start, and it, it, it's been handy because I just don't enjoy doing that kind of stuff. I, I like doing engineering and being creative and stuff, but I don't enjoy bookkeeping and accountancy. And no, I know what you mean, stuff, but I mean if you, you if know, you use payroll and etc. If you use services like Zero or I guess FreshBooks and some of these other ones do it as well. I mean when you have a direct feed into your bank account. So it's yeah, constantly being updated yeah, with transactions. Nice. And I've got rules set up so that, you know, certain payments from certain people always get tagged in a particular way. So literally like 80, 85% of my transactions get tagged into the correct buckets already. So I spend probably 10 minutes a week just going through and just tagging the ones that it couldn't reconcile. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like I'm reaching the point now where because I've got a business partner and he's um, he's quite into doing books and he tends to deal with the two businesses that I do with, with my uh, business partner, he tends to deal with all the accountancy stuff. Um, I tend to do not not get involved really because it's just not my area of interest. That sounds yeah. terrible, but um, but yeah, it's, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I, I think um, I think if you're doing anything complex and once you get to a certain 
you know um, revenue and you can afford an accountant it's definitely it's definitely an investment that's worth having yeah I mean if you're an incorporated company so a limited company in the UK um, okay, I can't remember what the US equivalent is but one way you're a separate legal entity I always think it's just best to pay an accountant yeah because no. there's so many deductions and tricks and things that they can do which are all perfectly legal but they're designed to bring your tax bill down which is obviously what you want you're running a business you want to maximize maximize profits yeah and that's that's their bread and butter that's what they're trained to do yeah yeah and it's obviously hard for you to know those rules i think at, at that level yeah it makes sense to have an accountant i mean l- last year when i because my, my accounts are due in october and I remember last year when I went to sign the final forms, I was flicking through the forms that were being filled out, thinking there's absolutely no way on earth I would have been able to fill this form out. Yeah, it was yeah, like true. ten to fifteen pages of stuff that meant absolutely nothing to me. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just too much, too much to do everything. I think sometimes you've got to rely on experts, haven't you? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the show topics. So I thought today it'd be good to talk a bit about um, what does success and what does freedom mean. Yeah, because it, it can mean different things to different people. So obviously, we have our have our views on it as well. And plus, we've got a few sort of topic points that we can sort of discuss through as well. Okay. So, what does success mean to you? Kevin? Oh, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? I'm going to put you, I'm gonna put you yeah, on the I spot. Think, I think it's all those sort of things evolves a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, initially when I was starting out, success was just not having a day job. It was just quitting my full time job and not having to do the commute. Um, so initially, I, I worked as a as a freelancer just. The ability to work wherever I wanted to work was my idea of success. But then I got to that point, I thought, oh no, I want to more than that. I want to have have um, money without having to work as much or not, you know, time. So that's when I looked into doing products, mm. uh, software products. Um, so and obviously once you know once I got successful with products, you know, successes it's, it's an ongoing thing, isn't it? I think for me, it wasn't just one thing; it was an ongoing process. I think, um, but it it wasn't necessarily. I don't know, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think success to me means being having the time to do the things that I want to do. Hmm. I think that's success to me. I don't know what how you feel so, about so it. So for you, success is freedom. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Yeah, it's freedom to, well, I'd say to work on the things that I want to work on, you know. Um, so at the moment, I'm quite happy because I'm creating new products, which is what I enjoy most, you know, or being creative, you know. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's kind of similar. So success is freedom. But I think, you know, to get to freedom, you do need money. But then money isn't necessarily the be all and end all of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mentioned this study before on the show, but at the time I couldn't remember uh, where, <laughs> yeah, where it was yeah. from, which, which was useful. But, but I've managed to find it now. And it was a study done by um, a guy called Daniel Kahneman and another chap called Angus Deaton. And they were talking about, you know, what is the tipping point with salary where you go from all you care about is the money that you're bringing in through to that not being the most important thing? Yeah. If that makes sense. And in, in the research they done, it was like a, you know, a scientific study, and they said, in, this is in dollars, I think they're American, yeah, they're yeah. saying that $75,000 was kind of that tipping point. So when you earned less than that, the thing you cared most about was you know, your promotion, your pay rise, your bonus. Yeah. It was getting the extra money in, because the extra money was obviously useful and needed. Yeah. But then when you got past $75,000, you know, 80, 85, 90 and above, that doesn't necessarily it's important but it's not necessarily yeah, the most important thing uh, yeah. you, you might look for other other intrinsic benefits in your job like tr- good training time off yeah it's, it's tricky reward. i mean it's hard to say i mean for people that aren't earning huge amounts of money it's, it's difficult for us to say <laughs> it's not, you know it's do you know what i mean it's, it's quite privileged but 
I think, yeah, I know. I mean, once you, money, once you get to a certain point, it doesn't make you any happier, does it? Yeah, I think, I think it's the same with running a business. Level. I mean, when I look at my perspective, so I started doing courses for Pluralsight. When I put the first one out, I had absolutely no idea how what it was going to do, and it started doing, you know, reasonably well. But then getting up to a point where I could quit my job, obviously the money I was bringing in meant everything. It's like, yeah, yeah. So I, I discussed it with my wife about, you know, what, at what point can I quit my job and do this full time, and, and we put a number on it. We said I have to be earning at least this amount before I should think about yeah, le- leaving my it's, job. It's, it's funny you should say that. I mean, re- reading a book at the moment called The Joy of Work, and in there there's a, there's a great section about um, about sort of people's kind of, what motivates people. And um, there's a bit in there about money. It said that if you sort of like earning more money can actually make people perform worse at their job. So probably once you get to a certain level, you know, often it's people enjoy doing work because they find it interesting and the money becomes a disincentive. Okay, that's interesting. Um, so, so I'm, I'm just literally looking at yeah, your talk. Yeah, it's one of my recommendations. I'll probably recommend it in the next next podcast. But always, uh, always take note of your recommendations. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one actually. There's a, there's some good stuff in the joy of work because it, it's it's probably more for people that work in day jobs and stuff. But I've been thinking more about work culture as, as I sort of grow the business. Mm. So it's something that I've been consciously thinking more about. Um, and I, I think that's true. I think once you get to a certain level, the extra money doesn't really. It's not a motivator anymore. You know, I think it's more interesting. You know, do you find the work interesting? Are you doing meaningful work? That kind of thing becomes more. Yeah. Is it, are you doing in, solving interesting problems? That kind of stuff becomes more important. I think once oh, you absolutely. get to a certain level. I mean, when I when I equate my personal circumstance to the study done by uh, this Daniel Kahneman and Angus Deaton, you know, up to a certain point, the money was very important. I couldn't move ahead with my goals until I earned a certain amount of money because obviously I had a mortgage, kids, wife, yeah, you know, yeah bills, responsibilities. True. So it kind of maps to what they were saying. Up to a point, money was very important. Mm. Then, you know, thankfully, touch wood, things are going very well at the minute, and I've surpassed, you know, you got that, that, yeah, that level. Yeah, so yeah. now, you know, whilst obviously earning more money is important because it, it gives you freedom, yeah. I can now look at other projects which might be a bit more risky. Yeah, yeah. So like writing this book that I'm doing at the moment, it's going to be about 18 months of work, mm. and, you know, I'm paying an editor. That's not cheap. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. So I'm having to outlay a lot of money. I need to pay designers to design the covers marketing promotion so i'm you know i'm publishing it myself okay yeah so effectively yeah. i'm performing a well i've already got a small kind of publishing arm to what i do yeah perhaps perhaps having the money means you can be more ambitious with your goals can't you you know yeah you can you can stair step to the next the next thing i guess keep, the key thing is i've got the freedom to actually then go and pursue these other projects yeah yeah that's 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 a good thing that's probably what a lot of what success is is the what i said earlier is the ability to, to work on the things that you want to work on you know I guess, you know, that, that brings us on to our old friend that we talked about quite a bit, you know, the difference, <laughs> okay. difference between passive income and a fixed income. Yeah, yeah. As well, because I mean, obviously, I think I do, and I guess it's the same with your business, is passive income. Yeah, it's, 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 the, it's the dream, isn't it? So passive income, just to recap for anyone who's not familiar with the term, that's kind of money that you earn um, by not trading time for hours. So if you think of a, a, a daytime job where you're working eight hours a day, you're trading eight hours a day for a salary that you've negotiated with your employer. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you work more time, you, know, you might get a bit of extra money, but effectively you're giving up your time for that work. Yeah, yeah. Whereas there's, with, there's usually a limit to what level you can get to. Isn't whereas it? with passive income, you, know, you, you might do a whole load of work which you don't get paid for on the hope that that, that work's going to keep on selling over time yeah, and, and bring you passive income. I think income. passive income obviously is still work though because you've still got to create 
the initial product, haven't you, that you're going to sell. So you put, you're putting the work up front mm. rather than... But then once you've done that you. work, that, that product keeps on earning. So, like, you know, when you're asleep at night, you know, I know that there's people all, all around the world watching my courses, which yeah. means sort of yeah. the, the total's racking up for the month. And I've got this sort of interesting um, example. It's an example I was working on for the book. Uh, so we've got, you know, Jane makes $100,000 a year whilst working 80 hours a week, which means she makes $25 an hour, so she's a full-time worker. Yeah. And then you could have, you've got John, who makes $50,000 a year, but he only works 10 hours a week. He maybe digital nomad, spends his time travelling. Yeah, Which yeah. means his hourly rate is actually £100 an hour as a part-time worker. So, you know, who, who would you say in that instance is more successful? Yeah, it's a tricky one because obviously the part-time worker, he gets the time to travel and with family. And do but he, he, has, he has room to scale as well. He's doing 10 hours a week, earning 50 grand a year. Yeah, he could put 20 hours in. So if he, if he was to suddenly yeah. start doing 80 hours a week like Jane does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in theory. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, like that. But yeah. Well, there, there's room to scale, I think, yeah, is the, is the yeah. point there. Yeah, so you've got to think who's more successful, the person that's working full-time for twice the salary or somebody's working 10 hours for half that salary, you know. Yeah, so I think, you know, as a full-time worker, I mean, you can, you know, there's benefits to being a full-time worker. I know we talk about side hustles, obviously, that's the whole point of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, there are benefits to being a full-time worker. So, you know, you're generally going to get a higher salary. You've got the prospect of promotions. You might get the, the company car. Yeah. Because you've got a, a good regular fixed income from an, an employer. Right? Also, that means you're going to be able to buy a house because you can get a mortgage. Yeah, quite often easier. mortgage uh, providers or, you know, um, banks, etc. they tend to um, be more favourable to people that have full-time jobs than, than than people that own their own businesses, generally. Yeah. Um, so it, it, can, it can be, there's like a perceived stability, isn't there, of having a job, whether it's there you know, or not, there's like a perceived, it's less risky than doing yeah. anything. I, th- I think your view of success is different when you're a full-time worker. So, you know, you know I'm a, you know, I'm earning £200,000 a year as a salary. You know, that's seen as a success thing. You know, I'm getting this really nice Mercedes or BMW car yeah. as a company car. That's kind of like the status symbol success thing. Yeah. Whereas for us, I think it's more like, you know, we, we get more free time to do what we want. We can pursue different interests. Yeah. That may be risky or riskier interests. But you know you've got the, the cushioning to do it. Yeah. And we get to spend more time with family, hence the uh, the screw up on our recording dates last episode. <laughs> yeah, not always good. <laughs> I think maybe the, the thought I, of spending an entire week with the kids was so traumatic. You, I, I think you've got, more, you've got more freedom how, how you choose to spend your time, haven't you, I think, you know, when you're doing your own thing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, like today, I, mean, I, I didn't actually get into the office until half eleven. Yeah, no, I didn't. Just because I couldn't be bothered. So I, went, <laughs> I, I went to the gym. It's, said. it's sort of, but they've opened a local cafe just around the corner from live, at where I live. So this morning I just went to work from there, which is really oh, nice, right. you know. So, yeah, but I mean, obviously, if I had a day job, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know. So, this is just those little things, isn't it, which are nice. Sometimes you forget how, how privileged you are, really. Hmm. So, I was thinking about as well is, um, You've got contractors as well, and that's kind of an interesting one. So contractors are people you know who charge an hourly rate or a daily rate to go work at a company. You might be there for two or three months and then you move on. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, I know loads of contractors and they earn very, very good daily, yeah. daily rates, really yeah. good daily rates. And they all run their own companies, so they all got their own limited companies. All of their daily rates go into the company and they pay themselves. So kind of similar to what we're doing, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of thinking about it. I mean. When, we, when we're talking about our success factors of having more time and freedom, so like, do they do they enjoy the same? I think freedom. Uh, I, I don't think they do. No, I don't. I mean, it depends. I mean, I would if you if you're a remote contractor, I think that's 
that would be preferable, I think, for me personally, if I was going to do. I mean, because I I worked as a, a sort of freelance structural engineer, but I I worked from my own office or home or whatever, you know. So I still had the location independence. Mm. I don't. I think being on an on premise contractor wouldn't be that much fun, you know. But I was talking to a. A good friend of mine, uh, to protect the innocent, we'll call him Bob. <laughs> Bob, okay, Bob the contractor. Bob the contractor. Uh, he's not a builder, so he's not Bob the builder. Okay, he's, a, he's a software developer, so he goes in and writes software on a contract basis. Does very well from it. And I had an interesting conversation with him. So he'll, he'll typically go into a company for three months at a time and then leave. And I'm like, oh, so you know, when you leave, you just go spend a bit of time doing something else. And he goes, oh, no, no, I'm, when I'm four weeks away from the end of the yeah. contract, I'm, I'm looking for that other... For that other role, so they they kind of have this kind of constant need to get the next role in case they think that they're going to miss out. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, another thing he said as well, which I thought was really interesting, because he's complaining about the fact that he's basically not been on holiday for two years. Wow, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Well, that's probably for the reason you just. So like, well, it's like, yeah. well, you earn a lot of money. Why don't you just go off for two weeks? And the key thing he said was, if I go off for two weeks, that's going to cost me twelve grand. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. It's going to that mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of, kind of. Which I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Because you know, I've just been off a you know, two-week holiday and I wasn't thinking in terms of that because I've got the passive income, so I know that I was still earning when I was Yeah, away. perhaps it's a different kind of mindset, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's funny, I did actually work um, on-premise. When I first started out, I did six months, but I, used to, I, didn't, I was quite, I, was, I sort of negotiated just three days a week, so I still had time to do my own stuff as well uh, on the side, you know, but it, it's actually quite intense actually being on-premise, I think, as a contractor. Um, and they expect a lot from you as well. If you're coming in as a contractor and they're paying you really good, you know, hourly or day rate or whatever it is, I think they expect a lot out of you. And you, don't always, you always get, tend to get the projects that nobody else wants. Yeah, like I mean, I've, I've seen several sides of it. I mean, part of my plan originally was to do plural site stuff and to do contracting, but I haven't actually done the contracting you, part. You never got around to it. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm kind of glad I haven't now because, you know, I've been a, a manager and a leader in lots of companies, so I've hired in lots of contractors and I always, always treat them really well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I know some companies really do just treat them like rubbish. Yeah, it can. And, and, yeah. and give them basically the jobs which the full-time staff don't want to do a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, mean, I, I did it, fair, I only did it for six months because I, I thought I'd reached the point where I could go off on my own. I was confident enough to go off my own and just do my own thing full-time. But um, yeah, I found it quite quite hard work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, contracting is my, uh, my contingency plan. Yeah, it's, it's probably it's a good thing that you can go into. Say, for example, I mean, I, I used it well because I did it three days a week, so I was still able to work on my own sort of side hustle stuff on, on the side. So it kind of okay. worked out for me. So for you, it was, it was kind of a transition thing. Yeah, it was it? good. And also, I was earning good money, so I was able to save up quite a bit of cash whilst I was doing it as well, which was quite nice. And it gave me a bit more of a, a runway when I went on to do my own stuff, you know. So it was, it was nice to do, I'd, you know, but I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd want to do it long term. That's me personally, but... You know, other people might find it's great, and if it's good money and they enjoy the work, you know, hmm. power to them. So when I was researching this topic for the book, um, the, I was kind of sort of thinking about, you know, common doubts that people who are new side hustlers and freelancers might have. Okay, yeah, yeah. But there's kind of some questions. I thought I'm interesting to get your view on it. Okay. And then yeah. I'll uh, go and amend the chapter later. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> go for it, yeah, go for it. Uh, so, um, yeah, so common doubts to new side hustlers. So, does this help me lead a better life or is laziness clouding my judgment? Do we think people are thinking that because they want to be a, do their own thing, it's because they're lazy or? Is it, or yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've spoken to people before who sort of want to come 
you know, they, they kind of see the digital nomad lifestyle, you know, the whole, oh, the whole four like, hour yeah, work, workout like, thing. But, then, yeah. but part of them, because they've got an ingrained work ethic, oh, okay, they're, they're yeah. thinking, well, does actually doing this, just, is it going to make me lazy? Oh, they think they're going to, yeah, if they can do the four hour work week, they'll end up not doing anything that's yeah. intrinsically bad. I don't know, it's, is it really that bad just to work for? I don't know, it's, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a mindset thing, isn't it? That that's a, that's a failed mindset, isn't it? Where you're doing work for work's sake. Hmm. But perhaps what you should think is like, what what value could you do by doing your own thing? Think of it more like that than rather than think. Um, it, it's just, yeah. Perhaps you best. I've always worked at, well, before I set up a man. I always worked day jobs, and you kind of do get into this kind of mindset of this is what you should be doing in life. And if hmm. you're not doing that, you kind of feel like you're odd, or you know, it's different, or I think I think you've got to kind of embrace it, haven't you? Really? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I I was never the sort of person that had aspirations to build my own business. Yeah. I, I kind of fell into it by chance, which I guess a lot of people do in a way. But I mean, I was never one of these people that were like, you know, oh, I must form a business. I'm my mate Steve. I don't know quite well. I mean, he he's always been the person who's always trying to sort of hustle here and form businesses and. Yeah, some people are like quite entrepreneurial. I don't think I'm necessarily like that. You know, I think I just wanted to do my own thing. Um, and have my own time and be my own boss, you know. And I, I kind of naively thought that I could do things better than other people could. Yeah, it's kind of a. But um, yeah, it's a trick, really. Now I think um, I don't. Know, there's any. There's any. It's not. It's not a bad thing to have a good life and to have the choice and the freedom to do what you want to do. I think you've got to embrace it, haven't you? Really. Absolutely. Um, and and not think, oh, you know. I think it's a trick one, really, isn't it? So that's a mindset thing, isn't it? I think you've got to yeah, I think I think it is a mindset thing. Yeah, definitely, you've got to think of it different. Perhaps think more about, you know, how you've got to perhaps value, perhaps think that what you're doing is valuable and the, the contribution you can make to the world is important. You know, think of it more like that than you just being lazy. You know. So another common doubt then is, um, did I quit or am I quitting the rat race because I couldn't handle it? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps, yeah, that's not a, a bad bad thing, is it? You know, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, the commute's not always fun and it, it's not always... There's, there's you know, a commute and the reason I thought this question is because um, I know someone who works um, in London and doing sort of, you know, like the high-end sort of stock trading stuff, okay. so trading floor yeah. stuff, which is really, really, really high pressure. You've got, okay, you've got yeah. these like, really strict targets you're supposed to meet. And I was having a conversation with the guy and it's like, well, you know, if you go and do your own business doing something completely different, you know, is it because you're actually genuinely trying to pursue a passion or you, are you really disguising the fact that you couldn't handle what you're doing in your real job and you're looking for an escape? Okay, yeah. yeah what was, what was the answer then? Oh, just... Well, with him, we never really got to an answer. Yeah. Uh, well, not that he's necessarily willing to admit, but I mean, I thought it was quite I, interesting. I didn't necessarily enjoy the commute and there's lots of aspects of like the bureaucracy and hierarchy and... Uh, the way the thing was managed, you know, the day jobs that I had. I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, I think that's, it's good to quit something that you don't enjoy. You're saying it's causing um, you a lot of stress, which yeah. is making you ill, then you should definitely look to leave. Yeah, I do think, I mean, it's odd because a lot of big companies have been founded off people for very strange reasons, like they're trying to prove their parents wrong or things like that. You know, these kind of reasons are important, aren't they? So mm. yeah, if you don't like your job, perhaps you just don't enjoy the stress of your job. There's no, that's not a bad thing if you don't want to do it anymore, you know, and want to do your own thing and it's less stressful, you know. Quite often you find that doing your own thing is more stressful than, than sometimes. When, when you're trying to build it yeah. up, it is, yeah. Yeah, it can be, yeah, for sure, yeah. But, um, I mean, the last job I was at, I mean, I actually quite liked the place. I, I didn't leave there because I didn't like it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just, for me, the time was right to do my own thing. Perhaps, whereas, yeah. whereas the job I had previously, because I was, I worked for this big sort of retail pharmacy company, 
And, you know, the plan was, I absolutely hated it there. It's the worst company I've ever worked at. Uh, okay. for, for me, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, so I was actually going to leave at that point and then do my own thing, but then kind of got asked to join this startup. Yeah, Which yeah. I thought, oh, this is interesting. So for me, I think at that point, you know, whilst the courses were doing quite well, I think part of it was spurred by the fact that I just absolutely hated this company I was working at. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps that's sometimes a good motivation. If you don't like your job, perhaps it might motivate you to... Otherwise, you know, if you're in a job and you really you don't mind it, but you don't hate it, you know, you're not you're not passionate either way, you know, love it or hate it, and that might be a bad thing because it might not spur you on to go and do your mm. own thing. Sometimes, you know, so sometimes you've got to use those things as a motivator, haven't you? And Absolutely, it's not, not all bad. So another one, another potential doubt um, is around you know someone's perception of success. So am I even successful, or is this all a joke? Yeah, we did something about this, didn't we? About what do they call it, where it's. Um, uh, where you kind of doubt yourself. What's what's the, word, what's the word you use for this? Oh, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah, I think we all do suffer from this a little bit. Yeah, um, I think sometimes just you've got to believe in yourself, haven't you? And that what you're doing is important. I think if you believe in your core mission, um, there's a great video. Have you seen the Simon Sinek one? The uh, why? The yes. TED, the start, TED talk. Start, start with why. Start with why. And yeah. I think that, that's probably something you should look at because then you think if you have a reason why you're doing something, it becomes so much easier, doesn't it? I think. And then all these sort of doubts go away a little bit, don't they? Yeah. I think it would be quite easy to have doubts. If you work by yourself, so you're quite isolated. I think you can kind of have those doubts. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've not had this problem myself, but I know someone or a couple of other people who are Pluralsight authors who are much newer in it than, than what I am. And then they've, they've actually sort of said, you know, why am I actually doing very well at this? I mean, when you look at, you know, certain authors that are earning, you know, millions of, <laughs> yeah, millions yeah. of dollars, it can be very easy to compare yourself to other people who are doing something similar. Oh, who, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, think up, I mean, this person's been building courses less than a year, and the thing I pointed out to them is that this particular individual you're talking about, I'm not going to name names, mm. has been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah, yeah, they've got a 10 year <laughs> and, and has built yeah, up yeah. a massive international following. But when they started... They're exactly the same position as what you are, but obviously they've put in a lot of hard work and got to this really good point. Yeah, yeah, you so, so, that, don't you? Yeah. So you shouldn't compare yourself to people that have been doing it for much longer because, of course, they're going to be more successful because mm. they've been doing it longer. It's probably just, probably just doing, you're just doing great, you know, but yeah, you, you're sort of comparing yourself against that's probably with the internet, isn't it? A little bit, but you end up comparing yourself against somebody who's way more ahead of the game. Yeah, it's like self diagnosing yourself for an illness on Google, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit <laughs> like that. I think, yeah, I think you've got to think, I think though, if you, if you do have a, like a motivator, a reason why you're doing it, I think it makes it easier. Um, I think you know, um, and I think you've got to be kind to yourself and say no. I'm, you know, I'm doing the best that I can do, you know, and be happy with where you're at, hmm. and, and perhaps not compare yourself unrealistically against other people, you know. You know, sort of leading on from that as well is another doubt. You know, am I lowering my standards too much? Like by so, what what I mean by that is, say you're on a really really high powered or high-paid job. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you're doing a side hustle that you really like. So you, you can see that there's kind of growth, but you know you have to kind of cut back when you when you quit at first. Oh, okay, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. at one point, you, you might be earning, say, you know, £100,000 a year, and your side hustle's earning about fifty. Yeah. So great, you're on £150,000 a year. But then you think, well, to make this side hustle grow, I need to quit the job, so I need to drop that 100000 so I go down to 50000 for a small period of time, and then it's kind of a race to... Oh, to build that so, back up. Yeah, yeah, that's a tricky one, really. I think so, I think you've got to be. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I'm I'm not a big risk taker. I don't know. I see you're you're similar, aren't you, with this? So um, I wouldn't personally want to take too much risks, you know, or, or lower my standards too much in terms of like 
earnings. I think the first year that I was in business, I probably earned similar to what I did in my day job, but it was never, it wasn't significantly less. And I think that might have been quite stressful actually if it had been significantly less. But I think I kind of de-risked it by 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 sort of like building the side hustle on the side before I launched full time, you know. So at least I had, and also I worked as a contractor for the first six months doing mm. sort of part time. So that that was good. So that helped a lot. Um, but I, I think I find it quite stressful if you had to significantly. When, when you made your when, when you made that switch where you, you knew you wanted to work for yourself and you're going to go into contracting to kind of cushion it. Yeah, but yeah. was your motivation because you absolutely hated where you was working, or was it just that you had ideas that you wanted to pursue? Um, a bit of both, actually. I think I'd, I'd kind of um, been doing a bit of a, a sort of nights and weekends, so as, right. a, as a free as a freelancer, freelance structural engineer, and I'd kind of really enjoyed it, and I decided I wanted to do that full time. But obviously, I couldn't kind of justify it, um, and I needed to kind of grow the business to to a point where it was. You know, earning enough that I could quit. So I thought by doing the contract job, I just de-risked it. Mm. It meant I could work part time and have the time to build up my own business before I quit the contracting job. So I did the contracting job for six months, but it was just enough to give me the confidence to quit. I built a bit of revenue, you know, a bit of, a bit of a runway, you know. Yeah. But it's a tricky one. I wouldn't like to. I know a lot of people take massive risks where they just quit their job and decide they're gonna go and do their own thing. And sometimes it does. It does give you sort of the spark to get on with it, doesn't it? You know, I met a guy the other day actually. He'd he'd quit his job and decided. And I said, "Oh, have you you know what you're doing?" He said, "I'm just starting." It, it was more or less. It had to be successful. He was kind of doing okay, I think. You know, um, I think I think that was a tricky one to do. But when I sort of like spoke to him, obviously he didn't have children. Um, his 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 partner, she still had, you know good money, so right. it was you know and it had a bit of savings, and it wasn't a huge, you know it wasn't as much of a risk than as, but it was like complete complete career changes. He was an engineer. And he decided he wanted to go and do like e-commerce stuff, you know. So it was a big change. But okay. he, he kind of had like he had like a mentor who was a friend who was doing really well. So it wasn't he wasn't completely naive, but it, to me it seemed quite risky, you know. Um, yeah, I mean that's I would never have been that risky myself. Yeah, if you've got a mortgage and you've got, I wouldn't personally. But I mean, he, he was, I think it was I think what he was doing was sensible, you know, sensible-ish, you know, perhaps given his circumstances, you know. And he's like a young, youngish guy, you know, didn't have you know the have responsibilities that I have now, you know, in terms of children and mortgage and etc. Um, yeah. So I guess to summarise that, then, you know, you can have doubts in doing what you're doing, which can cloud your kind of perception of what success is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think it's a key thing to take from that. So I think you have to be quite honest with yourself at the start. You know, what, what is success to you? On even in different stages. So what, what does success look like over the next month, three months, six months, year, two years? Yeah, yeah. And then I think, actually build those as part of your goals. Yeah, I think initial, your initial goal should be to sort of replace your full-time income. I think that should be, I think you're in, you're in a good place then, yeah. aren't you, once you've reached that Was point. it you that said that, that basically you're buying back your time? Was it, was it you that said, I called know, it that? Did or, did I, or, did I, or did I read it somewhere? You I can't might have read that, yeah. But it's a good point. I mean, when you're quitting your job to go do your own thing, you're effectively buying back your time because eight yeah, hours I, a day. I mean, that's that's valuable. I think if you can, if as a side hustle, if you can replace your your full time income on a side hustle, you're doing really really well, aren't mm. you? Because it, you're showing that you can be really efficient. It's like that, you know, about saying earning full time income in ten hours, you know, or whatever, or even half of your full time income in ten hours part time. You, you know, you're on a you're on something there, don't you? If you can reach that level. So I thought we'd just end with a few questions here that that. The listeners might find useful. Yeah. So to help you decide what you want from your career, 
answer these questions. So these are questions that I've been researching okay, for the yeah, book. And yeah. I, th- I thought it'd be interesting to finish on this, you know, no. kind of to help you kind of decide what, what you think is going to be, or what you think success is. So the first one is, what are you good at? Okay, yeah, yeah. Because everyone has things that they're good at and you need to be good at something. Yeah, yeah, build a business yeah. around it. Yeah, it's so I think it's good, to, it's good to be honest about what you're good at and actually sort of sit down and maybe document it. You know, yeah. are, are you good at writing software? Are you good at making jewellery? Are you, are you, <laughs> yeah, could be any kind of practical skill, yeah, I guess. What's, what's your skill, yeah. So what will you be the best at? So I, I cut that kind of sounds similar to the other question, but in a way, you know, if you're a software developer, that might be, you know, what you're good at, but are you the best at doing the finances for a business? Yeah, you might find that you're the best at doing something quite niche, you know, or you might have your particular way, you're, you're combining two different skills that only you have, you know, or something like that, you know, or you might be, even with programming, there's like certain technologies that you might be have strengths in, you know, or different things, you know, I experience that. Yeah, you, you might be, I guess this is the case with your business, you know, you've got a guy who's good at software development and you're good at the structural engineering side, so it actually makes sense to form a partnership. Yeah, yeah, it works for us, yeah, I think mm. that's true, yeah, yeah. It's having two divergent skills as well, which is good. So the last one then is, uh, what do you love sharing with people? Yeah, that's important, isn't it? I think whatever you do, you've got to be happy to sort of let it out into the world, haven't you? You know, you've got to let people see whatever you've done. If it's something you're not happy with, you're not going to... Well, it's going to be, it's can be a bit of an anti-pattern, can't it? So people are developing what they think is going to be the next, you know, the Netflix of or the Uber of, but then they just spend years jamming features in and never actually releasing anything. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost like they're scared to let people see it, you know. Also, in my point of view as well, I mean, a large part of what I do, I give away for free. Okay. So I write a lot of blog posts. I've done videos on YouTube. I do talks at conferences and the videos go up on YouTube and they're all there for free. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I quite love doing that. Yeah, it's basically sharing, you know, what, what you're interested in, isn't it? I think I think that kind of enthusiasm sort of shows on other people, doesn't it? You know. Cool. Okay. So just before we move on to recommendations then, so to summarise, I think when you're going into fo- forming a business or a side hustle, you need to kind of think to yourself very clearly what does success mean to you? And I'll do it over a time scale, you know, one month, two months, three months. Yeah, and work, and work out what, what you need to do to be successful. In yeah, and obviously time. those things will probably change as you go. So probably something you need to constantly review, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I mean, money is most likely going to be the thing that you're going to focus on the most because you need that to survive and to quit your job and buy back your hours. But then, you know, once you make that money and you make two times what you need or three times what you need, yeah, kind of what, what does success mean at that point? Because, you know, as we saw in that Daniel Kahneman study, you know, the, the amount of money you earn goes so far and then it becomes not being the most important thing. Yeah, Whereas before that, fun. obviously, it's the most important thing. But you've got to find out what made it. I mean, with me personally, it's working on new, new interesting things, you know. Um, but yeah, you've got to find out what, what is your motivator. Okay, so let's, let's do some recommendations. And uh, it looks like we've got a bit of a fitness theme yeah, going on here. <laughs> yeah. So, so do, you want, do, you do, you do one? your one? Yeah, yeah I've just got um, uh, one of these Fitbit. And it's like a, just a, it looks like a wrist, small wristwatch. And it's really great, actually. I've been like looking at... Um, Things like sleep, how many steps I do, um, heart rate, uh, some of my general fitness. Um, it's just really interesting, actually. Um, so I wear it all the time now. So obviously, it's interesting, I think, over the months to compare how I'm performing, you know, in terms of my fitness. Um, I like the heart rate monitor because I've never obviously really known what my heart rate was or how yeah. fit I was. So it's good to track it because I don't like anything. You don't really, um, you only sort of, what's the word for it? You only 
track what you know, or what's the word for it, what do you say, you know, you, the word for it, <laughs> I'll think of I'm the not, words. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you obviously you need to know what the stats are to sort of, like, you know, improve yourself, don't you, really? So it's, you, you mentioned... Oh, so I guess you're looking at trends over time, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, so I, I find it really useful, actually, so I recommend a Fitbit. Um, I don't know, some people don't like the privacy aspect of it, I don't know what... Yeah, I mean... I'm, I, I don't use a Fitbit. I've got an Apple Watch, which has largely similar yeah, sorts yeah. of things. Uh, whereas my wife's got a Fitbit as well, and she absolutely loves hers. Yeah, I think there's, there's other brands as well. They are good. I mean, like on, on the Apple Watch, for example, um, they, they have these kind of like activity rings, and the idea is you've got to try and close all three of the rings each day. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So you do that by moving a certain amount or burning a certain amount of calories, doing a certain amount of exercise per day at an elevated heart rate. Yeah. Uh, standing. And then you've got like steps and distance as well. Yeah, the, the, the only cool. thing about Fitbit is if you sit sit still for too long, it starts sort of buzzing at you, and it's kind of a, I find it a little bit annoying. Oh <laughs> yeah, the Apple Watch does that. So yeah, I, I think it's time for you to stand. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I'm on an airplane. I uh, know. Awesome. Yeah, I'm like, busy. <laughs> leave me alone. You know. Uh, so, what's your recommendation, Steve? So, mine is an app called the Seven Minute Workout. Okay, I've been, yeah. I've been using it for a while. I've just not told anyone. <laughs> okay, yeah, just yeah. In case it ends up being a fad. So. You know, beginning of the year, I said one of my goals is to try and lose weight. And okay, kind of the first half of the year, it didn't go too well. And then I kind of started a different diet, which is much more manageable. Okay, yeah. And I've yeah. lost over one and a half stone on it so far. Wow, that's incredible. But I was reading this book called, is it Fast Exercise by Dr. Michael Mosley? And they've done this whole, there's loads of like clinical trials and studies it's about how much exercise do you actually need to be of a benefit? Okay. Yeah, so yeah. what's better? Is it better to go out and you know, and do a, a 10 mile cycle, ride, a bike ride at, at a moderate rate? Yeah. Or is it better to do short focus bursts of exercise? And there's been loads of studies about it. It's what this book was on about. Actually, I should recommend the book as well. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah, stick yeah. it in the show notes. And what they came out is they're saying that doing, say, three minutes of really high intensity exercise three times a week has the same, if not more benefits as doing constant exercise really? wow. at the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Bad news for gyms. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it's great news for for everybody else though, isn't it? So what this app basically does, it takes you through what are called HITS, high intensity interval training. Okay. So okay. what that means is over a seven minute period, it, the app, the reason I like this app, because it, it gives you an animation so it shows you exactly what you're supposed to do. And you, and you go like the absolute clappers for 30 seconds. Then you stop for 10 seconds. Then you do another exercise where you go as hard as you can for 30 yeah. seconds. And then you stop for 10 seconds. It basically does that for seven minutes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's called a hit. I mean, you, you don't need an app to do it. There's videos on YouTube which guide you through them. But I like this one because because I travel so much. Yeah. You if you want to get some exercise yeah. in a hotel room, you just you just stand the phone on the desk and it just tells you what to do. Oh, that's and does yeah, all the timings for you. That's, that's good, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think that's nice. I like the idea of hit because it's not like it's taking up too much of your time. And you, I assume you can do it anywhere. Can you can do it anywhere, yeah. So it's, it's But probably why not people are watching because they probably... <laughs> I'm not going to do a demo. <laughs> but it does, it does sound really good. I like the idea of that though, yeah, because if you can do more with less, you know. It's, it's the science it, around it, it I found fascinating. So it's not it's not like a, a faddy thing. It's like there's been a whole load of independent clinical trials done around the world yeah. onto what is effective fitness. Now, I'm not saying that you should, you know, if you do cycling or running, you know, that's not bad, that's good. Yeah, so if, you're the, doing, if you're yeah, the sort of person stop. who doesn't enjoy exercise, and I don't, <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> want to go to the gym, and I don't, yeah, then, you know, kind of what's what's a good alternative? And all the studies have sort of shown that doing several hits throughout the week has the same level of exercise, uh, sorry, same level of benefits. Yeah, I think it's just doing continuous that. exercise. I mean, I mean, it's with the Fitbit. I think it, what helps a lot is when you really elevate your heart rate 
Um, it's not doing sort of, if you're doing sort of slow, steady stuff, it doesn't really elevate your heart rate enough to really, to do anything. I think you need to get that. So that's what it is, it's really just, yeah, really, high really, intensity really, really interval intense. training. So you yeah. go like the clappers for thirty seconds, and you stop for ten seconds. And then yeah, you, and, 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 and really you guys, it's, it's things like is. star jumps, press ups, crunches, planks, oh, all, yeah, all these yeah. sort of things. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one, the one that really kills me is oh, what they called. Oh, I've got what they called now. It's where you kind of like jump on the floor and then you get up and then jump in the air. I've got what it's called now. I keep yeah, doing I that. Know. I keep thinking of something completely oh, exercise. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So the first time I did it. I thought I was going to die afterwards. And then for, about, for about two days afterwards, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't move. And I was like, yeah, is, is this really good for you? Are you again, is it getting easier, is it? I wouldn't or say easier. I, I, don't feel like, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm going to die and end up in an ambulance every time I do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. what, what's, just out of curiosity, what's, what's the diet that you've adopted then? Or? Um, it's called the Fast 800. Again, it's by this Dr. Michael Mosley. And it's, okay. uh, it's, the idea is intermittent fasting. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he, the reason I found out about it is he, he did a programme on it on the BBC a few years ago. And again, it was going through the science yeah. of um, how it all works. So effectively, it's kind of like a keto diet, so you're trying to reduce carbs as much as you can. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that, yeah. So yeah. The, the book kind of suggests that you follow a Mediterranean-style diet, so fresh fruit and veggies, meats. Fish. Fish, that yeah. sort of thing, you know, healthy, healthy things. And then the diet's kind of split into three parts. So you've got the first part, which is called the Fast 800, where every day you have 800 calories. That's not a lot, is it? I don't think. If you put a lot of protein, uh, uh, this, this this key thing they're saying is the whole myth about low fat is kind of what's made people fat. Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going more the paleo way. Yeah, so, so, so the diet way. encourages you to have fat, but you I, but you eat in a restricted time window during the day. I, I think they, they thought that fat made you fat and it doesn't necessarily work, but it's a bit more complicated than that, isn't it, I think? Yeah. You know, um, so what you do, so you have 800 calories of a Mediterranean-style diet in a time-restricted window during the day. So that window could be, say, between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. is when okay, you can eat. Yeah, yeah. Then out, out of that time, literally all you can have is water or kind of black coffee or black tea. And the idea is you're trying to get your body to reduce its glycogen stores, which reduces the amount of insulin in your blood, and then that pushes you into ketosis. Okay, yeah. So yeah. when you're in ketosis, it means you've got ketones flowing through your body, and they, they're a natural energy source which you can run on, which burns fat. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that sounds... That the sounds science good. behind it is absolutely fascinating. So the guy, Michael Mosey, released a book, um, but the thing that I like about the book is he's talking about all of the independent clinical trials that have been done around the world. So I've kind of dug into all of the trials and been reading up on it. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to adopt a more, a more uh, sort of lower carb diet, less, more, less processed foods, um, more like, you know, natural foods. Um, so no, that sounds, that sounds so, good. Yeah, so that, that's kind of stage one where it's 800 calories a day. And they recommend you do that for anywhere from two weeks up to 12 weeks. Yeah. And then the second stage is called intermittent fasting. It's called the 5-2 diet. So on two days a week, you do the same 800 calorie time restricted eating. Yeah. And then for the other five days, you can technically eat what you want, but <laughs> yeah. obviously you, know, you, you still want it to be low carb. You're not reducing all carbs completely. So obviously things like apples and pears have carbs in them. Yeah, fruits. But, but things like mangoes and pineapples, you probably want to try and avoid because they've got so much sugar in them. Okay. You want to avoid things like um, potatoes. Well, you don't have to completely avoid potatoes, but you want to reduce how many you have yeah. Avoid yeah. processed like pasta, um, sugar, and bread, and like things like that. Bread, yeah. yeah Bread's yeah. particularly bad. Grains and processed grains and stuff. So on the on the non-fasting days, you know, you, you still try and maintain a Mediterranean-style diet, but you don't have to count calories. 
Yeah, yeah. And then the idea is that when you're on that stage, you, you gradually lose weight over time. So you do two days intermittent fasting, then two days eating kind of what you want, but being conscious of what you're eating. Yeah, I think there's something in that. Yeah, that's kind of, I'm trying to get more like that. Um, the thing is, and I was doing this in the four hour work week, so the four, there was a four hour body by the guy who did, the Tim Ferriss the guy who did the four hour work week. And he mentioned in there about um, like, if you have a higher fat diet, it actually increases your testosterone levels a bit. So I think you're sort of hacking okay. yourself. And if you increase, obviously, testosterone levels, that helps you lose weight and be leaner, et cetera. So I think there might be something in that. I'm not entirely sure of the science behind it. Um, yeah, I mean... There could be something in that. I think, yeah, I think there's something in this. I think one of the problems is, I think that they decided that a high-fat diet made you fat, and, and that was discouraged. I think in the past, if you look at, say, your grandparents, they would have probably eaten a lot of lard and fat and stuff, but they were like weighed a lot less than we do. They're probably a lot more active. Yeah. Probably at more a more whole food diet, you know, probably just meat and vegetables, wasn't it basically? I mean this yeah, probably um, less processed carbs. This fast eight hundred diet is basically an easier version of the keto diet. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, I know people that have done the keto diet where that is strictly no carbs. It's really strict. I know, it's really it's very hard to follow and people tend to fall off the wagon. It's too brutal, yeah. So yeah. what a lot of these clinical studies have done is that so they're trying to introduce a concept of intermittent fasting, but eating in a time-restricted window. But they're trying to, but you know, what's the optimum calorie intake for someone to have where they can actually manage it? So the original version of this 5-2 diet, it was 600 calories a day for men and 500 for women, but people were finding it too hard. Yeah, so in, so in the clinical up. studies they've done, they've actually found the sweet spot is 800 calories. Yeah, that's livable, yeah. And people who follow that manage to stay on the program oh, for okay, longer. Yeah. yeah, it kind of works, yeah. Is that a, cause I, I, um, I work in a co-working space at the Ingenuity Centre at, at Nottingham and uh, one of the guys there, I haven't met him a couple of times, he didn't come in very often, uh, he's like a Scottish guy and he does the, um, he does like this thing called CrossFit. And oh, right. he, he has a, like basically lives on a paleo diet. It's kind of a bit brutal because it's no grains or dairy. I find that a little so bit. So paleo is eating as if you're a caveman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically it's just meat and vegetables and salad and things like that. Okay. You know, it's kind of quite brutal, but it's no, it's no dairy. So you can't have cheese or or any carbs or anything like you know, no right, bread okay. or. It, it, I kind of do. I kind of. I think it'd be too brutal for me. I don't think I'd be able to stick at it. I'd have to have at least have some. Because it's kind of hard in social situations. So if you go for a meal, it's probably hard to have a purely. <laughs> meat and vegetable with very few potatoes or yeah no traveling is going to be interesting so i'm next week i'm going to york to deliver some training but instead of staying in a hotel i've hired an airbnb so you have to eat chicken salads and stuff well like there's, that, there's yeah. a kitchen in the airbnb so i can prepare my own food ah uh, okay yeah, um, yeah but in september i've got to go to belgium for a week and there i'm in a hotel and that's going to be much harder to manage yeah, perhaps you could. There are probably things you can have though on the menu. You might find something like you know, like chicken salad or something like that. Yeah, well, I was thinking what I might do because I'm, I'm still doing the fast eight hundred, like that first stage part of it in a minute. So what I might do is when I go to Belgium, I might do the intermittent fasting, the five two version of it. Okay. Yeah, so you don't yeah. have to be as strict with it, and then switch back to the eight hundred calorie day yeah. when I get back. I think you have to be realistic, don't you? Or else you're just going to give up. Um, if anything's too hard, same with like exercise, isn't it? If you make the exercise regime too hard and you get injured and it's not sustainable, you just give up, don't you? I think you've got to yeah. make it easy on yourself and yourselves. Perhaps you just wouldn't do it. But yeah, it's working quite well. And I've tried to introduce exercise into it as well. And I'm using the seven minute workout app oh, to, to help with that. Yeah, sounds like you're on, you're on course then. Cool. Okay. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the episode. Okay. So yeah, uh, we'll see you all next week. Well, two weeks' time when we're going to talk about co-founders. Okay. Yeah, see you in two weeks. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.